Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. And yes, there are so flags. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Minute 105, which begins with Red Skull telling Steve he could have the power of the gods and ends with the power of the gods dissolving Red Skull away. Ouch. Uh, back on the show, we have Ryan Bennett joining us again. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I mean, listen, Red Skull has some serious allergy issues. Let's just give him a moment, you know, <laughs> just let him rest a little bit. That's what the scene was about. You put up a good fight, you know, just put up a good fight. About his, and this minute was about his allergies? Yes, this minute was about his <laughs> allergies. totally changed we my all, perspective on all these movies. We were all thinking about it. We know, you know, we talked about the phase, the cosmetic surgery that happened here. We were all thinking it. I'm just saying he needed a moment. You know, he had his God moment. So let's just, you know, we had to bring it to a close. <laughs> you know, this is one of those minutes where I, until I, when preparing for this minute, when I looked at the, the script lines that we have in our notes where he says, I've seen the future, Captain. There are no flags. I heard every other time I've watched this movie, I've seen the future, Captain. You have no friends. And I thought, that's like, now it's like playground insults. Like, you have no friends. Like, that's just not very nice. And also, <laughs> maybe not as much of an evildoer line as, as you maybe think it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to know that it's, he's talking about political boundaries and the fact that Hydra is the big one, is the big, big boss. But there are no flags. I, we could do better. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk to you, too, about some... Um, some changes in the script from the, I mean, this is that moment where Red Skull starts shooting at Steve. And as he's shooting at him, this is the time he decides, I'm also going to have a conversation with you. And I mean, it's not quite villain monologuing, but it definitely feels like that. You know, there's something pretty going close on with, yeah. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the script or in the film, he just says, you know, I've seen the future captain. There are no flags in the, in the, uh, the, or in the film. That's what it says in the script. He says there are no flags but hydras. Does do you feel like that changes anything? Is is there a context thing? Like when he says there are no flags, is that just like an 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 anarchistic view of things, or is he is he implying hydra? Like how do how do you read that? Do do you like having him not say but hydras? Yeah, I like the hydra part going because it's it's. Hydra itself, you think of as unit as just just racist and so much negative connotation behind it, where it gives a whole new level to evil. If you're saying all I want to see in this world and this nation, or but the you know the method you want to put behind it is just Hydra. It's all Hydra twenty four seven. So I think we're like not making him not saying okay. I want to take out the entire the entire world is gone. There's no flags. There's no representation. It's just extreme gods and power. You know, doesn't make him sound any less like you want to give him a hug. But, you know, it's it's taking a different context and just just the root of all evil that is Hydra and, you know, kind of expanded it more of like he had this in his head. He had this God like, you know, impression of how he wanted to shape things and how he wanted to create things instead of just pure evil is how I how I envisioned it. Yeah, I like the way you say that, where it seems like it's even beyond Hydra, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this God power that he wants to attain where he would rule as a god and there would be nothing but him. And so it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting change and I actually like the way that you read that. I, I think so too, because what we've known from the very beginning is that 
Red Skull is an agent of chaos, and he was using the the Nazis to to grow his role in Hydra, and he's now we learn he's using Hydra to grow this, you know, his own uh, agency in god power and everything that he does is a step to some other bit of acquisition of power and i i think it i like that he has that it demonstrates he has no no specific allegiance to hydra he's just an all around like 360 degree bad guy yeah and yeah. um and and is is you know playing for no particular flag at all now steve's response to him in the film is not my future which, again, kind of like his nope that we mm-hmm. had a few a few minutes ago, they seem kind of Lame. kind of flat. It seems like they are trying to come up with kind of those those quippy retorts that he was often doing with Bucky, where they're just, you know, throwing these little zingers at each other. And, you know, they're they're cheeky and everything. But it also kind of I don't know, it doesn't feel very exciting. He's like, not my future. And he that's kind of his last line that he has to Red Skull. Like, that's your big final line. You're going to say not my future and throw your shield. Yeah. Okay. In the in the script, I want to know what you think of this, because I'm not sure this is any better. In fact, I think it's worse. What Steve would have said as it was scripted was keep the future. I'm looking for a little here and now. (laughs) That was written by Nicholas Sparks, and it was on a beach somewhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. The lies are so cheap. They just they're just better when they're just not talking, when they just when they just let the powers, when they just let the powers go at them. It's it's just so much better. Just just let your powers and your godlike energy speak for itself. Just don't add the lines into because it's just not there for this for this one. (laughs) It's totally not. And, you know, it's really that makes me sad because this movie is full of such good lines for Steve Mm -hmm. and the it it has set up the intention of who Steve Rogers is as a character. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they come from. Such a great line demonstrates so much heart. Like the opportunity here is to come back around to that sentiment and give Steve some lines that demonstrate how he really feels about you know, Red Skull and Red Skull as a bully, like he's a bad dude. Let's let's give us some quips that are like smartly written and and more fun. It just felt like they stopped having fun writing Steve. Well, uh, they were certainly being more verbose with him. And it's clear that as they were kind of filming it and kind of probably working on this as they shot said, what if I just said this, you know, trying to come up with stuff to shorten it and tighten it up and stuff. But it didn't feel like they they strengthened anything. It just yeah. feels like they're still like, because now he just says, not my future. And it just, I don't know, it just ends up feeling, it feels flat. It just doesn't, it's not an exciting final line for him. Here's, here's a question, though, for both of you. Do you think that this line, uh, keep the future, I'm looking for a little here and now, versus not my future, specifically my future? Do you think at this point in the MCU, they were already thinking about um, you know, the the plays that they would take with the timeline in later later in the phases? Because, um, I mean, I Steve know. has multiple futures. Like, he zips all over the timeline. Yeah, I feel like just the not my future just feels like we've all seen the end of this film and he's not going to get to spend any time with Peggy. So I feel like I feel like it just is playing into, you know, that's that sense of, you know, where things are going with him as a character. I didn't really get a read on it that it was like um, that they were starting to think about like my future, but other versions of me have different futures. I, don't, I didn't get a sense of it that it was like thinking into the multiverse yet. 
Yeah, I, and watching it, yeah, watching it, I didn't think. I just was kind of thinking he was, you know, he's finally claiming, you know, where he, where his destiny in a sense, and where he might go, and kind of the uncertainty that he might have. But you know, knowing Marvel now and what we know, I feel like they're just this evil, just like brain trust where they just have these little pieces they can manipulate, and they just know, like they just. I feel like they maybe <laughs> they knew and we didn't know because it's so even in the sense that it's yeah. so good that we want to watch because we know they have this epic plan that none of us will ever know. We're just along for the ride i just feel like maybe they did and now looking back on it maybe they knew they were going to take him to these different universes so they want him to kind of claim it in that moment and we have no idea we're just thinking oh, okay he's just you know it's the end you know maybe he gets to see peggy again maybe he doesn't yeah that's like this is an easter egg that they didn't even know if yeah. they were going to be able to pay off but might as well throw it in there yeah like these little lines that change the read of the movie once you know how endgame ends right mm-hmm. like well it certainly feels like there was you know a sense of something because you know we have that moment in this where red skull grabs the tesseract after steve has kind of smashed the the cube console and uh and it opens up the heavens for him and he he sees up into it you know i mean it right it, we're not seeing voromir up there or anything like that but there is this sense that there is you know something actually in the script it has uh skulls pov the plane seems to vanish around him visions of the nine realms dance in the light a rainbow portal stretches past an obs- an observatory and into space. So he's now seeing, you know, uh, Asgard, basically. And then Red Skull, he has actually five different options for lines. The first one is Valhalla. The second one, I was right. The third one, it is real. The third one, yes, I understand. And the fourth one, I have waited so long. Obviously, a lot of thought was going into the direction <laughs> of his character there. But then it says the visions speed up until they blur. Suddenly, the cube vibrates violently. The skull looks worried. Something's wrong. And that's when he says no. And as he starts seeing things, his you know his, his body dissolving and everything. Uh, do you feel like that would have also helped us, giving us more of a sense of that connection to, like, outside of the scope? Because what we get right now is just kind of like... It looks kind of like almost like a window to the universe opens up over his head and he kind of looks into it mesmerized, but it doesn't really say anything. Do you do you feel like we needed more there? Do you feel like it's fine the way it is? Mm, I, I more like to su- uh, suspend my belief in a way that I think it was fine. Because I, I I would say now that I want to know, but I would be so mad to know every little inch of how this is going to work out going into the other movies. Because we know everything is, they made it very clear that everything was being connected. They were going to use these characters in different ways. So I kind of feel like the magic would have been taken out to know exactly what he was referring to. Other than me just looking up like, okay, so the cube is now not this anymore. It can dissolve him. So now this is a whole different kind of evil that I have no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, back to Joe Johnston and his love of Raiders of the Lost Ark. If this isn't the entree of the final face melting scene and they as they open the arc, even the, down to the, the flourishes of the, the symphonic score in yeah, this sequence, yeah. it mm-hmm. just like it's created this mood that really is the it, it, it is this this movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, Power of the Gods to that film, too. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. And so, um, uh, you know, for me, I actually I kind of like knowing now, you know, a decade later that the way the script draws it out demonstrates that they did have grander plans. But I think the movie is better not demonstrating those plans. I think the movie is better leaving us to to just watch, you know, Red Skull as his own bad guy and not think too hard about, you know, 
the stuff that we are are going to maybe see someday. Leave that for the post credit scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Here's another um, uh, something from the script, and I want to get your read on this because all we get uh, with Red Skull saying you could have the power of the gods before he goes into all the stuff about wearing a flag on on your chest. In the script, there was a little more between him and Steve after he says you could have the power of the gods and you will not admit you want it. And then Steve says, I want what every soldier on every battlefield wants. I want to go home or there's an alternate. I want this war to end. Do you feel like that would have helped at all in any way like that draw between, or, you know, seeing Red Skull basically? I mean, it's interesting when he says and you will not admit you want it as if. Because he wants it so bad, and he's a super soldier, he assumes that that Steve wants it that bad, too. Does that play at all? Or is there a clear reason why this was cut? <laughs> I think there's a clear reason why it was cut. I think it's kind of nonsense. Like, it's, it is it is that assumptive, like, positioning that Red Skull has that I don't think anybody in the audience is going to sit there and, and, like, need to hear. It like takes us in a new direction that I don't think we need we need to hear. It does make me reflect a little bit on the fact that it feels like many sequences in this movie are written like Mad Libs, like giving <laughs> so many like they give him five possible lines. Like what I I uh, wish I had some chopsticks, you know, like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like I just don't understand that style of, of screenwriting. So, yeah, I just think there's unspoken lines between villains and heroes and you don't have to spell you don't have to like tell everything out. We know what Cap represents obviously you know he's going to use these powers for his full benefit because he wants to be the saver he wants to be there to protect and so guess the guy like powers do help is he going to have the same mindset as a red devil no i mean you know that's just how the villains and the superheroes work so i think when they don't tell us that we can just kind of figure out where their head is at this moment is is a lot better yeah it, it's it is one of these things where and this i i think ends up being part of the problem of the villain trope of monologuing is sometimes it just seems like why are you talking right now mm-hmm. you know and exactly. and even with even with the conversation that we have in the film which is much shorter it d- definitely doesn't go into quite as much nonsense um, some of it just feels like would you really be saying all this right now or would you just be fighting and it just ends up feeling a little a little silly but it, it is a comic book movie so maybe that's part of the part of the reason that they do it is because well it's comic booky we want to kind of keep that comic book feel to it yeah. and everything but yeah uh, I mean I guess they did okay with it but I, I feel like yeah they could have come up with some stronger uh, moments in there throughout uh, this is the point though where Steve does hurl that shield as we said and it uh, wow it it hits Red Skull right in the chest I'm assuming he doesn't get uh, bisected uh, well, I don't know. I mean, we see in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness when Wanda throws the shield at, at uh, Captain Carter that it does bisect her. So uh, she and she's a super soldier. Is there a reason that he wouldn't just get bisected when he gets hit with it like that? Yes. Other, other than it being gross? <laughs> I think that it's because they hadn't thought of it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might, I it right like it might yeah, be just as yeah, simple yeah, as yeah. that. Like yeah. they just wanted to, they, all they needed him to do is land on the thing, and they needed a way to make him land on the thing, and the shield was it. So if he was bisected, that wouldn't have helped. <laughs> it wouldn't have taken us to our hero moment, right? 
Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. I just love that the captain, the captain, um, shield moment every time he throws it. I just, I forgot that's where it started, where he just brings it from the hip and just throws it all the way across. You never, that's always like his signature pose, his signature throw of the, of the shield from now on that it gets better where you, when you can kind of like, you know, slash people right through the middle when he starts figuring out all the powers he has with it. But it's, I just, I just, I forgot that moment when he had it in this, where it was kind of like he was owning that shield a little bit and the way he throws it every single time is really cool. I love that you, you are such a like generous viewer of this movie in that his skills are growing. Cause I think I started complaining immediately <laughs> the first time he threw the shield and it didn't come right back. I was like, ah, stupid. <laughs> it's supposed to come back. But it's like, of course he has to get better. Like he has to learn. And that's good. Thing. Yeah. It's a good thing to yeah. show that. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of skills that he never needed to learn that he does really well, like fly, flying the Flieger Parasit. There, see, I had to squeeze it into this episode, too. <sighs> Man, I know, excellent. The worst. Uh, <laughs> he never had to learn how to pilot that. But then there are skills that obviously he still is working on, like doing the, the boomerang shield where it bounces back and comes back to his arms. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what happens is he hits... Red Skull so hard that he flies back into the cube console and and disrupts it somehow. I'm not exactly sure. It's full of blue sparky stuff. It's all over the place. And Red Skull falls to the ground. And then the Tesseract, it's like, you know, it's in that little container of his that that it very much feels like alien when Ripley pulls that thing out. It's like that big console that 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 pops back out. And then the Tesseract, I guess it just kind of rolls out. I'm not exactly sure how, but somehow it falls out. And that's, uh, you know, that gives uh, Red Skull the what have you done? No sort of opportunity. Like, how could you have done this? Why does he pick it up here, though? Do you have any sense as to why he thinks that this is a moment for me to finally pick this thing up? Because he's never picked it up before. It's always been something that he's using special tongs for or or Just keeps it in the tongs. box. Yeah. And like, why is now the moment? It's like, oh, what a missed merchandising opportunity. Why didn't Marvel release Tesseract yeah, tongs? I would have definitely. Been. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. They partner, partner with Bed Bath and Beyond and release those yeah. in the barbecue in the barbecue <laughs> aisle. I think you I mean you're right. There are so many things that you've just said that are are a little bit confusing. The physics of the the square tesseract rolling out of the device is uh strange. That he picks it up, I guess it's his ultimate god mode, right? Like I mean I I kind of can't think of anything else than this is his the this is the pinnacle of his mania that we're seeing right now that he's so shocked it's sitting right there and that he can't help it. Like he's drawn to it somehow. That he's incapable of not. This is the ultimate marshmallow test. Like, he just can't wait. He has to pick it up right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He is the ultimate God power is to try to absorb it, right? You can't just leave it alone. Let me just go, you know, like you said, bring back the tongs, just pick it up, sit it over here. You live to fight another day. He's like, no, I have to absorb it. It's out now, the capsule. I have to pick it up and see what it is and see what it's, what it's going to transform me into. You know, typical villain feeling himself, doesn't realize there's a limit to what you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, so, I mean, you have to have that, that, that moment of where he's just like dissolving, like, how do you get rid of this God, like eat red skull? Where does he go? Well, and and that's actually a really interesting element. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe this is that pinnacle of the mania he has, and maybe he's, you know, there's been enough fighting for both of them where both of them may not always be thinking completely clearly. Steve seemed to be a little winded in the last minute, although he's more clear-headed here. But here, like after getting thrown into that cube console, I mean, maybe Red Skull has been kind of 
knocked about a few too many times. And yeah, he's not completely thinking clearly when he sees it there, when he's like, what have you done? And he goes to pick it up and he's looking at it. And it's interesting. And I actually like the way that it plays quite a bit because, um, you know, Red Skull looks at it kind of intrigued and mesmerized by it. And then as it starts blasting its energy into the air and kind of opens up that portal to the sky, like he stretches his other arm out, like it's almost like he's feeling like he finally does have the power of the gods and he smiles at it. When we cut back to him, like he's actually smiling. Like, I think this is that moment where he actually feels I am this powerful. I can, I do have the power of the gods. I can contain this energy and uh yeah it's 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 the that final foolish moment of your villain right just like some other maniac german archaeologist we might know <laughs> <laughs> oh so similar so so similar yeah don't look at it marion keep your eyes closed marion <laughs> do you think it would have worked better if captain america had closed his eyes and like yes. shielded his face yeah yep. uh, well i mean you know he has a super face so he doesn't need to worry about it melting. <laughs> Red Skull kind of starts dissolving there. It, at first, it looks kind of just like his glove dissolving away. In fact, in the script, it's just his glove that dissolves away, and he actually has uh, more of a moment with it. But um, I like that it seems right away like, you know, he's a little surprised, like, oh, those are my fingers all kind of dissolving <laughs> away. I love the way that it plays. I mean, it's actually, it's frightening and kind of gruesome the way that it does it but it's it also i think works exceptionally well i mean how does that play for the two of you like the the dissolving of red skull here i i like it because it's just it, it it puts him it puts him back it gives you more uh oh if i can get it out it gives you more perspective and puts him more in like a container where it's you don't really you can't control a power like this it's bigger than you you have no right to control something this massive, this big, that you really don't understand. You think you know what it's going to do, but you really don't understand what it is. You just know you have these powers and you can kind of control, you know, like your minion robots over here, but you don't actually know what kind of power you have. So I like how it kind of puts them in check where it's like, now you're getting absorbed into it. You don't have control over it anymore. So what now what do you do? Well, and I think the other uh, the other part of that is that as he's he's sort of melting up, this is another one of those things that I think I watch differently now that I've seen the rest of the Marvel movies, right? Now yeah. that I've seen where kind of he ends up, mm -hmm. it, it is like, you know, the heavens opened up and he's going someplace. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, in the context of this movie, he is destroyed, I say in, in air quotes. I, I like the way that it plays. And, and you can very much read it that way where he kind of is reabsorbed in a different space as a different kind of version of himself, you know? So you can kind of see the way that he plays or the character is when, uh, when he's on Vormir and how that, how that ends up working. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I like it. I love this little bit with him. All right. Well, any last thoughts about anything from today's minute or anything else this week from either of you? I just love it. I love it. It's been a great week. So much fighting. I'm so gl glad Ryan was here to, fight right along with us <laughs> <laughs> how did you guys know i like to be a part of you guys fight club the marvel movie yeah. fight club i like it i like it anytime you guys do fight club please invite me back yeah 
It's all about the Fight Club. Excellent. Well, we will definitely, definitely do that. All right, Ryan, remind everyone one last time where they can track you down out there on the internet. Oh, yeah, please support us at Black Girl Nerds, all social media platforms. If you like games, animes, superheroes, little drama, check us out, give you a different perspective, a different outlook on everything. Um, If you want to hear me talk more about fight scenes, I will be doing it on there. I'll also be talking about fight scenes at November Bear on Twitter and Ryan Ben on Instagram and thank you guys for inviting me to your fight club oh it's been a thrill thank you so much <laughs> my favorite part my favorite <laughs> part about that whole plug all week long it's gone like this i talk about fighting and drama er, and and fighting and science fiction and superheroes and a little drama <laughs> it's always just a, okay it's a little drama a but little mostly drama. fighting and mostly superheroes. Fighting. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> well it has been so much fun we have been uh thrilled to have you join us here for this big big week, uh, the final moments between our hero and our villain of the film. So we certainly appreciate you joining us, Ryan. And uh, Pete, you and I will be back next week to talk about the what happens with Red Skull and where he goes. So, I don't think it's too uh, late, Andy. I think Red Skull can pull it out. You think so? Yep. Do you think if he just dropped the test rack right now, he'd be it's okay? Not, a hand? It's not over for the man. <laughs> it's not over for the Red Skull. I think he'll pull it out. We just give it another week. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, until then, everybody, uh, Pete, thanks as always. Come on, Red Skull. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.